Chicago, where the fires serve cold, but the wolves and the hawks never shiver in the snow. The bulls keep it running, the Sox run the south, the Cubs run the north, but the Bears run the house. True Chicago sports fans got their ears to the street. Any team make a move, and they never skip a beat. And in this house, this is where we be. Welcome to the show with E Rock and Big Z. What up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of TC. SF, also known as True Chicago Sports Fans, the podcast. As always, I'm Swazo, also known as Big Z, and I have Eddie, aka E Rock. I hope everyone enjoyed episode three. We had a lot of great feedback. Today, we'll be talking about the NASCAR incident that happened recently, talking about the state of Chicago sports, potential blockbuster bulls trades. But first, Z, baseball's back. For real this time, though. Yeah, for real. Not like last time. <laughs> I mean, we were teetering back and forth. Is it on? Is it not? You, you, you were talking about last episode about that girlfriend. I mean, like... <laughs> she's I'm fine. Like, she's back. Okay. She's she's back, I think, for real. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it's on forever. Yeah, that, that was definitely um, um, exhausting to hear all these negotiations, millionaires, billionaires, all the stuff that we kept hearing over and over. But, uh, hey, we, it looks like we're going to actually have a season. All right. So what does that mean? So it looks like we have July 1st is the report date for the abbreviated camps, which mm-hmm. means baseball teams are going to report to their own individual stadiums. They'll be practicing there. Then the games will start about two weeks, two to three weeks later, which is on the 23rd and 24th. Okay. Uh, we're going to play a 60 game schedule in about 66 days. That is brutal. Yeah, that's going to be really tough uh, travel schedules. Um, the one good thing is that with the lowered amount of games, you're going to have less load time. You're going to, you're not going to be as exhausted. You're not going to have those dog days of summer like you normally would, like this time of year when you kind of get between 4th of July moving into August when guys are starting to get a little bit tired and uh, guys will be fresh. You're going to have your everyday players, guys who play all the time, mm-hmm. uh, actually play every single game. I, I highly doubt that your everyday player who, who's a big star that actually plays that doesn't opt out is going to be there for every single game. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to see a new baseball this year. I think uh, a lot of new strategies are going to be put in place. Some load management, especially early for the pitchers. Yes. Uh, you won't see pitchers going full games. You won't see them going 100 pitches. You'll probably see them getting, you know, taken out during 70, 75 pitches. Yeah, I mean, the, the entire 60-game uh, season is basically going to be a race for the playoffs. Um, there's going to be certain teams that are going to be out from jump, probably like the Orioles, um, Miami. Um, the usual suspects are not going to make it at yeah, all. Your Pittsburgh Athletics. Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. You're going to have some of these teams that are going to pop that we for, kind of forgot about already. Um, yeah. The Reds. The Reds are a team you're going to have to watch out for. Um, the Padres are another team we're going to watch out for because they did make moves in the previous season that didn't pay off yet. Right. Um Probably the Phillies. We should see something good out of the Phillies. Well, I hope so. I mean, they, they played pretty good last year. I think another team is the Angels. I mean, the Angels made some moves. That, yes. That, they got Rendon. Yeah, they got Rendon. They got some pitching. I mean, I think their okay. division is, is worth taking. I mean, uh, you had Seattle last year get out to that hot start right. and then cooled off the rest of the year. So this something different for this year because if you get to a hot start, let's say you're the first 30 games, you're 20 and 10. That's going to be amazing. I mean, you, you, you the, now here, here's the big question really is if your team is hot, do you trade some prospects? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. trade some prospects in, in with the chance of trying to go for it all this year, knowing that obviously they're going to be gone? Okay, so I'm going to shoot that question right back to you. If you're the Cubs, you start 20 and 10, do you make some moves? I think that. You might just because you don't know what the future is going to look like. You don't know if you're going to have Bryant. A lot of signs point to no. There was a big chance, and it was reported that there was a big chance for Bryant to be traded for Arenado. That was very close to happening. Very close. And he, Arenado wanted to be here so bad. He would have, uh, I think he had like an opt-out clause or something like that, yes. where he would have completely waved and says, yep, I'm here. And I mean, to be honest, all around, he's a better player than Bryant. If they would have somehow kept Bryant and then brought in Arenado, Arenado would have been automatically a third baseman and Bryant would have been an outfit. I mean, the White Sox were a hot pursuit for him too. Yeah. And 
Colorado said, nope, we're going to sign you up. And now Colorado's in back into one of those Florida modes where like, oh, no, we're going to sell everybody off now. Well, now the thing is, too, is that uh, the Rockies, um, Charlie Blackman uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. You know, so who knows what's really going to happen over there. So that that's uh, when we're talking about teams that are going to be hot or not coming into the season. That's definitely one of those those teams where you're just like, I have no idea what's going to happen with those guys. So let's flip it around. Cubs start 10 and 20. I think you stay course. I think you stay course because you still have veterans. You know what I mean? Like, I think you're, this is, it's kind of a throwaway year, realistically. Okay. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. I think, you know, we were talking before the show, what position would you rather be in? The Cubs who have veterans who've already won, they know how to win, they know how to play together. Or the Sox who do have your couple of veterans. You have a couple of guys that you brought in. You got uh, Yasmani Grandal. You got Abreu. You got these guys who've been around for a while. But then you got your young guys that you don't know really what you're going to get out of them yet. You're still wondering how that pitching is going to go and things like that. So I ask you, which position would you rather be in? Honestly, and me still being a Sox fan and diehard and I love my team, but I'll take the veterans. For this year. For this year, you take the veterans. Yeah. One... They don't have to be. You don't have to worry about like, oh, you know, we gotta baby this guy because it's you know, in three months of the season, he usually gets a little tired around July. Mm-hmm. These guys are going for a sprint. Right. It's warm already. We're not worried about you know the Cuban players and the Dominican players starting off slow because right. it's cold in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You got the Cubs who have pretty much the same exact team. I think they made one move. Yeah, I think. Well, then they bring in. Um... Who they brought in? They brought in that outfielder from uh, Arizona, Souza. Then they bring in Steven Souza. Something like that. I think that's who it was because he was uh, he was injured um, early on in the season and he was gonna make that break for it. And then uh, and then he got hurt, so he wasn't really able to play. But he was actually a breakout season uh, breakout player the this previous season. Um, and then you have you have Nico Horner, who's another guy that yes, I like that kid. He's 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 a baseball player. That's yes. that's the best way you can put it. And and I remember when he got called up, he was sitting there like, well, I was just sitting on a or laying on a sofa after the uh, minor leagues were over, and they're like, hey kid, bring you up because they had no one to play second. Yeah, but don't forget they also have Jason Kipnis. That's a good signing. <laughs> that guy is a baseball diehard. Well, and, and he's he's a veteran, and he's a guy that if they have both him and Horner on the roster at the same time, you can kind of teach and things like that. But now, what about what about your pitching staff for the White Sox? That's that's exactly why I would still take the Cubs right now, just because they have veteran pitchers. Yeah. Now, as for my White Sox, if I go and I look at my White Sox rosters, my pitching rotation, we have seven starting pitchers right mm-hmm. now. You got Giolito, you got Keiko, you got Gio Gonzalez, you got C. God, Gio came back. That's right. right. This is what his like 15th time on the roster. Yeah, but we're actually <laughs> going to keep him this time. Uh, we got Lopez. Uh, you still have a couple players coming back. You got Kopech. We got Kopech. Oh, that's we have, right. We got Kopech coming back, and we got uh, Rodon, who's also coming back from Tommy John and all that. How many How many surges has Rodon had, though? Yeah, a lot. A lot. I think it's like three or four already. But again, we still we got seven starting pitchers. Potential. I, Potential starters. Well, they're they're they're, they're starting pitchers. Are they going to start for the White Sox? Probably right. not. Right. But no, not all of them. Okay. Let's let's say. Rodon isn't that great coming back on. You know what? Throw him in a bullpen. Have so, a minimum, minimum amount of innings that right. he can pitch. Just well, because you're not, I mean, and, and with the shortened season, you're not going to have that much anyway. So, I mean, the, the three guys for sure that you know are going to start are Gilito, Keichel, and Gonzalez. And, and Cease. Then, and Cease. And then you got Lopez. That's you're going to be your fifth spot where you're going to sit there. Who's going to take that that spot? If you have a seven total, you got a couple guys you're going to move in, in and you out. Got, some guys are going to have to take the spot of being a middle reliever. Yeah. You, you got to move them back. And you know what? If the thing is, you had Giolito who had his opposite year last year. Last year, he had a tremendous year. Right. But the year before that, he was the worst pitcher in MLB. Yeah. And then this, uh, this past year, we had Lopez with the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, he had great year and then last year he just stunk it up so we don't know which Jekyll or Hyde are we going to get from these pitchers so I mean you're looking at Keiko proven Gonzalez is proven Cease is still an unknown and well so is Giolito yeah that that's another guy he was a guy I mean even in fantasy baseball I held on to him I was like yeah this is the guy this is the guy this is the guy and then he didn't pan out I got rid of him and he's like oh yeah now that I'm off your team (laughs) 
<laughs> I knew you were a Cubs fan, so now that you're off of, uh, I'm off of your team. I'm gonna do really well, and and I was pretty salty about that. Well, you kind of had the uh, the Cantana effect. You pitched wow. great for us, and then we, you know, we traded for you, and that messed up. Speaking of that trade, you guys should have signed um, Eloy. No, 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 the pitcher from uh, uh, that went to to Houston. Oh, Ver- Detroit, Verlander. Verlander. Well, I I think that that was definitely a mistake. Verlander wanted to be in Chicago. Yes. He made it very public. He wanted to be in Chicago. I've always been a fan of Verlander. I think I I think he you know he was just great in Detroit. I'm sure you hated him when he was in Detroit. God, he killed us. <laughs> but he was he was great in Detroit. He would have been a good fit here, I think, with a veteran rotation. Well, just think of it this way: if you guys pick up Verlander, you don't trade for Quintana, mm-hmm. which means you would still have Cease and, and Eloy. Eloy and Eloy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the thing is, is that at the time you're talking about you know not that far off after the uh, the Chris Sale trade. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at the time, I mean, the way we're looking at it is like we're getting the best pitcher from the White Sox and they were in the position to make a run because this is right after the, the Cubs won that World Series. You know what I mean? So okay. what at the time, what you do is you make the best move that you can to win now, with, to win now with what's available. And, you know, you shoot your shot. You're not, you're not always going to you're not always going to win. You're not always going to. Uh, prosper with what you have but now guess what he's here he's not going anywhere you know that it's it's not like he's gonna drop off he's like well you know can we can we get Eloy back and you know we, yeah. we, we already heard Jason Benetti hey thanks Cubs after he hit that, that home run off oh, of yeah. so I was like all right well you know you got to take your lumps but I mean I guess maybe that was payback for the Sammy Sosa trade <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um so the the thing with the with the Cubs uh rotation you know you got Lester who's always Reliable. You got Darvish, who came really, he really came into his own last, uh, last yeah. season. I mean, he kind of fa- came out of his shell. I think the fact that everything was going on with uh, with the Dodgers uh, in the World Series um, with the Astros, you know, you kind of found out what was really going on there. He had an idea that might have been uh, tipping pitches, and he talked about it publicly, you know. And people says, "Oh, you're soft," you know, this and that. And guess what? He was right. He was right. He was right the whole time. And so, I mean, I hope that gives him a little bit of validation in what he was talking about. And you can understand why, you know, knowing where he came from, the culture in Japan, they're very hypercritical of their athletes. And the way that, you know, he came off and everyone says when he was with the Dodgers, he's terrible. He's this, he's that. I mean, you remember when when he first came from Japan, the Cubs wanted him real bad in the first place. So I think they were, when they had a chance to get him, I think it was the right move to get him instead of bring back Arietta because Arietta was hot, probably one of the best stretches in baseball of all time. When he had his Cy, Cy Young uh, year, and then that, the couple months before that, best stretches of all time. As I mean, far he as had, he had one good year right after, and everybody's like, "Oh, we should have kept him. We should have kept him." But like, he you... ne- he never got back to exactly what it was. And I mean, I love 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 Arietta. I mean, as a guy with a beard, you know, he was my dude. You know, um, but I think they definitely made the right choice in in picking Darvish over Arietta. Yeah. So let's keep going down the uh, the pitching rotation. You got Lester. Mr. Dependable. Yeah. I mean, the guy's going to go on the bump, and most of the, nine out of ten times that he's out there, you're going to get a good game. And, and it seems like he kind of figured out his uh, his issues with throwing the first at least a little bit. I mean, he kind of— better. It, it, it was definitely better. It's no more throwing the glove with the ball in it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no Little League stuff. Great. All right, so we talked about Darvish, who's going to be, I think, one of— I think he'll, he's going to be your ace. I, he'll, he'll, he'll end up being the ace by the end of the season. Right. You got Kyle Hendricks. That, I mean, this is this is a kid. I mean, who's going to be? He's so even keeled. You never ever see him change his demeanor. Whether he you know struck out three in a row or he gave up three home runs, he never his demeanor never changes. No, he reminds me of Maddox on the absolutely, on the, absolutely. Yeah, you know, he just got that. I'm gonna pitch, and that's yeah. it. I think I'm not here to play games. All right, Quintana. That, that's that's your big question mark there. Even, Which Quintana are you getting? But at the same time, if you're talking about Quintana as your number four. Oh, that means your rotation is pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. Because he would be a number two on most most rosters. And he's still going to give you 200-plus innings. Right. He's an inning eater. Uh, Chatwood. Well, I, I <laughs> here's the thing about Chatwood. Chatwood is got some of the filthiest stuff in baseball when he's on point. And he, I think he's another guy that ha- kind of had a case of the yips. We got to figure out who that, that last slot is going to be held by. Um, you got Alec Mills. I think you actually have. I think there's a couple other options um, as far as a starter 
could be. But I mean, we got to see how that shakes out. The The bullpen is interesting. You got Jeremy Jeffries, who just came over from Milwaukee, who uh, was really, really good a couple years ago. He, actually, he was actually a Cubs killer. Um, you got uh, the Wick brothers, Rowan and Brad. Um, and I think a big question is uh, Craig Kimbrell. How, how good is he going to be? That guy is just, you don't know. Is he going to be hurt yeah. and not play for half the season? Is he going to play and then he's just going to be like, well, you got interested? I mean, you, I don't know this guy. You got to remember, he was in the same boat as um, as Dallas Keuchel. Okay. I, mem- I remember Schwarber being really excited and, and and I think they he he had a gesture in the in the dugout where he was kind of swinging his arm back and forth like, hey, we got him, we got him, you know. So I would say, like I said, at least for this season, I'd much rather be the Cubs in the position that the Cubs are in because they have the starters, um, they have a closer that has the potential to be great, especially if he doesn't have enough time to kind of get out, you know get in his own head. But what about next season? What? Well, that's the thing. It, I think that your next season. Your off season starts now. As, as, well, I mean, it starts now. Well, it starts now because the with this shortened—I mean, for any team—because this shortened season, you're really doing evaluation to see really what we're going to get next year. But here's the problem with the shortened season: it's a small sample size. Mm-hmm. It's literally two months. Yep. So you're looking at at players that you know. Sometimes players go through a slump for thirty days. Yeah. You know, and then and yeah. you got thirty days to make it up, and then let's say you, you ended up batting two fifty. Okay. Well, you're not looked at as a good player. Now. If you're the Cubs or you're the Cleveland Indians, you know, who have great players who are going to be, you know, free agents or you might think it's time to blow it up. If you get to a bad start, what market is there for these players? Because you're going to rent them for 30 days or mm-hmm. less. Well, the expiring contracts. It really depends on when the trade deadline is. We haven't heard that yet, have we? Uh, the trade deadline would be August 31st. Okay so, so, okay, so we have a month. I mean, halfway through the season. I think realistically looking at this season, you can kind of gauge where you're going to be next season. Mm-hmm. You kind of know if you're a crappy team, if you're a good team, if you're an up-and-coming rebuilding team, a team on the brink. Because, you know, like I said in the last show, I look at, and so, and most Cubs fans look at the Sox this year as the as we looked at the 2015 Cubs, oh, yeah. that team that's ready to pop. So I would say at least, you know, if I'm looking at next season, I would say that I'd rather be in the White Sox position for next season. Yes. Because we kind of, you have an idea of who's going to be here. The foundation's already in place. You've yeah. got everybody signed. The only thing you're worried about is your pitching. And, you and stay healthy. Right, and and that's one of those things where going into the off season, you know, you might be able to pick up a, a couple of guys to kind of solidify that bullpen, or I mean, the the rotation, the same way the Cubs did. Yeah. Like I said, going into the twenty one season, I think that the Sox have an advantage uh, over the Cubs. One thing we're not discussing or even thinking about: the Cubs have a rookie manager, like a flat out rookie manager. Oh yeah. And the Sox have a guy who's been around. For a long time in baseball, and, and he's been on the Sox for a couple years already. And he does very well with with the young guys. And uh, he does very well with Latin players, which the Sox have a lot of. And he's a hands-on teacher. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, can he play that Joe Madden role for the White Sox next year? Because, like I said, I think for your up-and-coming teams, this year is that kind of, let's see. Hey, if we pop and we somehow win the World Series, great. What if your up-and-coming team... Wins the World Series this year, just by chance. Would you still view that the same way you would for an entire season? Championship to championship. I don't, I, I don't care about the games as far as the regular season because you still got to get to the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs... It's a tournament. It's a tournament, and nothing's changing with the playoffs for this year. The only thing that's going to change is going to be the DH. That's on both sides. That's just, true. Just for this year, but not. Uh, they're probably going to institute it with the next bargaining agreement. But as far as... A championship, 60 games, it's a little race, it's it's the short dash to get to the playoffs. Once you're in the playoffs, it's a completely new season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's say the Pirates get hot in the NL and they make the playoffs. Okay, well, now you got to play the Dodgers. Good luck, Pirates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> There's your shattered dreams. Now, with the White Sox, it's a two-team race. It's going to be us, and it's going to be uh, Minnesota. Right. Minnesota's going to regress. They're not going to hit that many home runs again this season. Well, it's it, like I said, it's one of those things you never know. It is it is going to definitely be interesting to see what happens with this upcoming season just because it's so different. DH is going to be huge, you know. Uh, I like it. 
I, I do too. I think it, it should have been done a long time ago. I mean, no you, reason the pitcher should be hitting. How many times we see pitchers that get hurt just running to first? Yeah, twisting an ankle. Yeah, right. It's it, just something silly like that, and we're just like, are you serious? Now you're out for you know three weeks mm-hmm. because you couldn't hit a lick to begin with, and mm-hmm. for some reason you're up at the plate. You know, so it's kind of a waste of time. But yeah, I mean, I, I think overall it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the season because. We do have the vets. We do have the up-and-comers. We have that rebuilding team. We have the team that already won and has it in their back pocket. The one thing I will say as a Cubs fan, Mm -hmm. I am damn glad that they won in 16. Because if they would have won this year or if they do win this year, Mm -hmm. we would have just heard, well, you know, it was that shortened season. It's not that important. You know, you guys didn't do it after a whole season. And I know. Oh, you mean mean as far as north side versus south side? I mean, just in general, you you know. Here's the thing. So you're saying you don't want the championship? I'll never say that. Come on, man. A chip is a chip. Yeah. But at the same time, if this would have been their first win in what is this 112 years at this point, it would have yeah. been. There is probably twice as many Cub haters as there are Cub fans when you go across the country. When you look at the entire NL Central, <laughs> all the Brewers fans, all the Pirates fans, they're just sick because I mean the Cubs are a very popular team because right. of WGN. Right. And, you know, people are sick of it. They don't, they're tired about hearing about the Cubs. So, I mean, I'm just glad that they won. All right, guys, we'll be back after these messages. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so now we're going to talk about some recent topics going on in sports. Uh, so, we had a couple things. Potential blockbuster Bulls trade. Uh, there was a couple of rumors going around by one of the writers trying to match up some salaries. Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose for Otto Porter and Thad Young. And I think also the number seven pick. What do you think? You got Injury-prone guys on both sides yep. of this trade. It, I think it really comes down to needs. I mean, I think it's, you said the salaries are going to match up. It'd be nice, a nice story to go full circle and bring, and bring back Derrick Rose. Blake Griffin is very explosive when he's healthy. I think as a big guy, I think it, it'll mesh well. I don't know. Would Blake and, and uh, Levine work together, though? I mean, he worked uh, well together with the players he had when he was on the Clippers, you know. I mean, realistically, think about what you're what you're trading. You have two guys that are basically middle of the road. Porter is a nice player when he has complimentary pieces, but he's at most number three. I mean, he looks good in uniform. He probably sings really well just because he looks so much like Lionel Richie. <laughs> um, Thad Young is another role player. He's not a, he's not a guy that you're like, yeah, I'm going to build my team around. No, he's at the end of his career. Yeah. I mean. Well, I, well, he he still has some some miles left, but he'll be on the you know he's sitting around the end of the bench. He's not a starter. No, he's, he'd be well suited on a contending team. He would not absolutely. For us, it's, it's no no point of having him. I think having roles back will energize the, the fan base. The fan base. Yeah. It'll it'll again. It's just a it'll be a great Cinderella story to bring it all together, and hopefully he retires as a bull, and maybe they hang up his you know his jersey up on the, on the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's worthy of that. Uh, if if he were to come back and then puts up some great numbers for us, yeah. So here's the thing you're you're talking about here. You're talking about two basically role players in the number seven pick, which the Bulls love to get every single year. Yeah, this is the fourth or fifth year in the row for two former number one overall picks back to back 09 and 08. So if you're gonna ha- you you have a floor that you have to meet in the NBA, mm-hmm. do you take that chance? I mean, you you're gonna have to pay somebody. Yes, you know, are. but you're also losing your number seven pick, which have the Bulls ever really gotten anyone in no, that position no. right now? I mean, you got Laurie, you got Kobe White. Who, who did you have? didn't you get Denzel in that same spot? Wasn't that that same yeah, spot? And he's and, and he's one of these guys that has flashes. He's another guy that's a role player who would be good on a contending team, but on a on a team where you're trying to rebuild. I don't know if I want him. I, I do think that, you know, you'd have pretty good ticket sales if you bring back Rose. I know that Rose rubs some people the wrong way for what the things he said. I just don't think, he, I, I think he speaks out of context when he did, when he was talking about wanting to spend time with his kids and not be so injury riddled that he couldn't walk with his son. But I also think that, uh, I just, I, honestly, I don't think Rose is that intelligent, you know, so he's not that well-spoken. I think he's a great basketball player. And I think that when he, he didn't come back as early as some fans wanted him to come back. Right. And they had a big problem with that. You know, to me, you know, you got to give him some credit for what he did. I mean, you're talking about the youngest MVP in NBA history. And you're also talking about a guy who will probably be the only MVP in history 
to not make the Hall of Fame. That would be devastating. <laughs> it would be terrible. But what what are you going to do at this point? I mean, I think that when he went to New York, you saw he had definitely sad flashes. You know, to me, I would say that I don't think Bulls fans deserve Derrick Rose. I think what he brought to the Bulls, being a hometown kid, being this explosive player, you know, when you looked at the fact that he wouldn't recruit players, people got mad about that too. But to me, I'm like, he's like, you know what? If you want to play with me, here I am. You know, there's there's something special about playing in the United Center, the house that, that Michael built, playing for the Chicago Bulls. You know, you, I mean, you're talking about arguably the best logo in the NBA. I think we can spend the whole podcast on the Bulls and right. all that stuff. Just and, talking and, about yeah, Rose. That whole run was amazing. Going back to the trade, can we throw in uh, a couple other players in there? I mean, we got some <laughs> bums on this team. <sighs> Felicio? Come on. We'll take a bag of chips. A supply of hot chips. I'm good with that. I mean, this guy's making $8 million to sit on the bench. I don't, I really don't understand, understand that contract at all, except because you had to pay somebody. You do have that floor in the NBA. And that really, to me, the only reason that he's even on the Bulls right now. But they saw him as a, oh, he's, he's a big guy and mm-hmm. he's a good project. Okay, he's a good project, but we don't have coaches that can coach and build somebody up. Well, that's the hope now that you have, I think his, his name is pronounced Kernishevich or something like that. Oh, the uh, GM. Yeah, so I mean, they, they brought in new pieces in the front office, which I think because of everything that's going on with the end of the NBA season, with the COVID, with all the labor um, disagreements in the MLB, you know, with Kobe dying this year, all the craziness that's happened this year. It almost went under the radar. It, when in a normal year, it would be a huge story that the actual the Bulls actually turned over that front office, you know. So I think the the next thing they got to figure out who's going to be your coach. You know, we've had a couple of different guys linked to that um, position already. Yeah, yeah, Adrian Griffin. Uh, there, there's coaches that have potential to be a part of the Bulls. Um, Ime Udoka, that's his go. name. Yes, um, but he did play in the NBA for for a few years there. Um, he's off of that pop tree, you know. So is Boylan. So is Boylan. Yeah, but I mean, like, you look at Boylan, and he's one of those guys that was kind of floating on staff to staff. I think they, they only promoted him because they were sick of uh, of Hoiberg. Don't let's not get started on Hoiberg. You know, you look at the way that the Bulls are going right now, I think that as far as the coaching staff and the front office, it's going in the right direction. If they can get a coach that can get the most out of these young guys, you know, Kobe White, that's a key piece, I think. It definitely is. If you can figure out what to do with Kobe and you can figure out what to do with... Um, Levine. Uh, well, not Levine, Markinen. Because I think Markinen has a lot of talent. I think he's been poorly coached. Yes, I agree. They they were asking him to do stuff that he's not used to doing. He's not at all. They want him to change his game and let no. these boys play their game. So I think if you get the right pieces in, in play, maybe just stay with what you got and just kind of keep going. Use your, your vets that you got there. Hopefully they can help boost the young guys, bring up the morale, kind of be player coaches the way that most vets are on most teams and see where you go. Well, if we can keep if let's say we don't make this trade and we have Porter and Young, and if they can stay healthy, they're going to score 12, 15 points and grab 10 boards each. Well, Porter, I mean, Porter's actually a good scorer. I mean, he, he can put up quite a few points. But he's got to share the ball with Levine. Yes, Levine does need the ball. He's he's done a good job of improving his three point shooting as well because he was in that uh, that contest they the did. Three point contest yeah. where he uh, bombed. Well, you know, let's not talk about that. Right <laughs> Should have been a dunk contest. Stay stay in your lane, man. <laughs> um, okay, another another issue would be Chris Dunn. He's he's a piece that the Bulls were after uh, from the draft as well, mm-hmm. and he's a guy where you once in a while you see these flashes. He's got the athletic ability. I don't think he can put it all together, and that's been the key. You know, that you saw when he busted his teeth and, and right when he seemed like he was kind of going in the right direction. But you've never seen it come full circle for this guy, and I think he's one of these these players that are end up being – he could probably play, you know, 15 years in the league just being a, a backup. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. but I don't think he's a starter, which is what they had hoped for him originally. Exactly. Again, they keep getting, drafting these kids that are projects. I mean – we can keep going. We got Denzel Valentine, another project. Mm-hmm. Wendell Carter Jr., who I've seen has great flashes, but hasn't been consistent. He's he's a, a player that's very frustrating to me. Um, for what you saw, uh, what they thought they were getting out of him, I don't I don't think they actually got what they what they wanted out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I think it really comes down to coaching. I mean, a hundred percent. You 
when you have these young guys, especially when you're sitting at that weird number seven pick where you got a guy that, you know, you're just kind of picking the best out of, you know, the, the next 15 after, you know, you're, you're, you're picking up another role player. Right. Right. And sometimes that works out. I mean, you see what happened with Jimmy Butler towards the end of the draft when he was drafted and, and right. he was just stuck behind Deng when, when he was trying to uh, get some playing time. But you know, when you have these guys and you're kind of stuck in this purgatory basketball hell and just kind of sitting in the middle, you know, you're, you're either going to be number eight and lose every year or you're going to be number nine and not to make the playoffs. And you end up with that same pick year after year. And it gets boring. But uh, they blame the Bulls. Like, OK, yeah, you're not supposed to tank. I mean, but still, you play your, your starters all three quarters and in the fourth quarter, you know what? You put in some of these developmental players that you want to develop and they're your, part of your projects. Guess what? You're going to take the L, but these kids are going to get some great playing time. Yeah. And then you get to see, okay, this this might be a piece I might keep, but I'm still going towards the goal of getting a higher pick in the draft. Well, and it doesn't look so obvious. Well, they, I mean, they did attempt that. I mean, they just didn't quite get the luck that they wanted and they ended up with Kobe White, who is really has the potential to be a nice player. No, I mean, I you like see Kobe. him. I like Kobe a lot. I, I think he's definitely a starter in the league. You know, you look at someone like Zion, I, I wonder how long he'll actually play in the league just because he was injury. He had the injury right when he came into the league. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's just such a big guy for as athletic as he is. I don't know how long he'll actually last. Yeah, I think that that explosiveness is 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 just tremendous. But again, if he's already starting to be injury prone, he's mm -hmm. got to take care of that body. He, he's got to... Uh, Work on conditioning. Yeah, look at Shaq. Like, well, Shaq got bigger over the years. He did get bigger, but like, he's not Shaq. Shaq was just dominant because he was just a big, big, giant man. The funny thing is when you see him next to Yao Ming, the size difference. But look at it this way: you have a dog. I have a dog. Now you know that big dogs they don't last that long. They, right. You know, you get a real big, like Irish Wolfhound. You know, that life expectancy is like five to seven years. And you get a Chihuahua, and those suckers last like thirty-seven <laughs> years. <laughs> You're like, how is this guy still alive? So I mean, you kind of look at look at it that way. I mean, Yao Ming played, um, and he was he was very dominant. He was huge, but he did not last that long just because those leg injuries started yeah, yeah, to build up. Yeah. Um, Shaq was kind of right. Shaq was more. He wasn't. The, it wasn't the norm. You get you get Shaq. You get um, Dwight Howard. Guys of that size typically don't last that long in the league, and it's an anomaly for them to actually have a long career. But Typically, the real big guys do not last that long. You're looking at Zion, who is not that big. What is he, six, seven, six, eight? Something like that, but he's just a big guy physically. Mm -hmm. He's not tall, as, as tall as the other guys. He needs to work on conditioning, you know, and I think that's the, the big thing with him because he'll actually get better. He'll he'll have uh, more flight, things like that, and he'll be able to take advantage of that athleticism a lot better. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break right here, and when we come back, we'll be talking some bears. Welcome back, guys. We have a lot to talk about with the Bears. We On defense, I think we're set. Oh, yeah. You know, if we can get a J.J. Watt, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, put the defense over the top. And, you know, let's get the 85 Bears out and start <laughs> and get the parade going if we can get, you know, another J.J. Watt. Offense, offense, offense. I think this past year, the Bears had to take a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. And understand that you've got to adjust because the league will adjust to you. I think the phrase you're looking for is they are who we thought they were. <laughs> you know, because we look at, you know, we're still sitting here, you know, a few years later talking about Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes. Okay. We know Mahomes is going to be a Hall of Famer just if he keeps on this trajectory. Watson is a good player. He's not like an elite player, but I think he's a good player that, you know, they passed on. When when they did draft Trubisky, I defended the pick because they went up for it. Okay, they had conviction. Trubisky was number one on a lot of scouting charts. How? Be How? Because he because you're looking at potential. You're looking at potential at the time. You look at that. You, what you, at the time, the way that they the way that it was explained was that you had Trubisky who had the highest ceiling. Yes. But also the lowest floor. So Pace saw his guy and he took the chance. Now. We can't – hindsight is twenty twenty. We can't course. take it back. No, no, of course. But, you know, he had – I think a part of the problem we had last year is you had Nagy basically take away the best part of Trubisky's game. And then you had that injury. You had his shoulder injury. Right. You kind of tripped him up. You kind of slowed his progression. And then 
you know, he, he was never able to kind of find his groove again. Well, you, I mean, you're also, once you have an injury and you're playing injury, you know, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want to, you know, re-injure myself or injure it worse. I kind of disagree with, with when you're drafting and you have the ability to take the best player, why wouldn't you go after somebody who is proven but he, on, on what they can do? But how, but how was... And Mahomes wasn't... Mahomes proven. wasn't proven. No, Mahomes wasn't no. proven. But Jackson was. Watson. Watson, sorry. Watson. Watson was. I mean, he was he was proven, but he was also injury prone because he already had knee injuries at the time. Correct. There's people that says, well, you know, it's because black quarterbacks, this and that. I, I doubt that. I, I, I don't I don't count that. I look at they've had black they had Henry Burris, they had Cordell, Cordell Stewart, yes. and then and Vince Evans. Vince Evans is in the seventies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I don't think that's a factor. But the fact of the matter remains that we can look back now and say, Yep, you guys made the wrong pick. And that's what it is. I mean, and that happens in every single draft. I mean, 50% of all of the draft round picks don't pan out in the NFL. So we we know that. But now we're at a point where this is kind of either do your thing or get out. We're going to see really what he's made of this year. So he put out there that he's mad and he's working out. And okay, you should have been doing that since day one. I think what you hear about Trubisky more than anything else is that he definitely has the intangibles, but he's got to put it together on the field. You hear a lot of player support behind him. Allen Robinson is, is already behind him. Um, when Ted Ginn, who I completely forgot the Bears signed, <laughs> like all together, he came out recently and said, you know, that he thinks that Trubisky will be the starter when we start the season. Wow. You know, and that's I think that's a pretty big revelation. The one thing that Trubisky does have over Foles right now is that he was currently the starter. So he has a chemistry with the boy. He does. He does. He, he's already starting a, a program. My, my hope is that whether it's him or Foles starting, that they can kind of back each other up as far as supporting one another. And I think that Trubisky would 100% do that. I feel like Foles would do that as well. I think Foles already was doing that in Philadelphia. Well, he was doing that in Philly, and he also ended up having to do that in uh, in Jacksonville because mm-hmm. Mr. Mustache yeah, came out of Minshew. nowhere. <laughs> Minshew mania, yeah. you know. What about our, our wide receivers? Just reading off some names for wide receivers. Reggie Davis, Trevor Davis, no Ted, Jin, Ted, Ted Ginn, Ginn yeah. Jr., Thomas Eves. I don't know what that think, is. Yeah. Anthony Miller, obviously. Mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney. Cordell Patterson. So Mooney is the guy that just drafted. Mooney's brand new. From Yes, he is. Rookie from Tulane. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Cordell Patterson, who is not Cordell. Yeah. No, he's not, I mean, I, I think he's listed on the depth chart as a, a as a receiver, but yeah. I mean, he's kind of your all-around guy. I like him as a uh, returner. There was a lot of clamoring for him to be a tight end, which I did not like at all. I don't think he can catch that well. And if there was a potential for him to be a tight end, which is such a critical part of this kind of system, mm-hmm. he would already been a tight end. So okay. let's let's get rid of that right now. Riley Ridley? Riley really definitely has the potential. Um, he's not as good as his brother, but he definitely has the potential. And you got Allen Robinson the second, which we know is a great player. I mean, you know, you're talking about potential. If you have a quarterback that can get him the ball, I mean, he has the potential to be a top ten guy in the league. You got Ahmed Wagner, who's a rookie we just picked up from Kentucky. It had to be a UFA because I've never heard of that guy. Yeah, and then we have uh, Alex Wesley. Again. Yeah. And then Javon Wims. So Wims is another guy that we saw flashes of. Big, tall guy. Really, really slight, though. He's real thin. I think there's potential there from the guys that we've seen with Ridley, with Wims, with Miller. Miller's got a problem with those shoulders, though. That's that's an issue there. Miller's 5'11". Yeah, he's not a big guy. He's my height. Yeah, he's, he's not a big guy. And we've seen flashes out of him. You know, they got rid of Taylor Gabriel mainly because I think you got to remember he had a lot of concussions. Mm. He had a, he had a lot of concussions. Um he had some spectacular catches, but again, he's a little guy. I mean, he's like five foot eight. He's a little the Turbo Taylor, fast like lightning fast. I think he had. I'm pretty sure he had a, at least one or two touchdowns in that Tampa game in uh, in 18 when when Trubisky went off. Oh, when he had the six. The six yeah, when he had the six. Touchdowns. Yeah. What about our uh, newest addition at tight end, Cole Komet? Full disclosure: I am a hundred percent a Notre Dame fan. Okay. So, I mean, I was all on board. I kept seeing, I, you know, I, I covered that draft pretty tightly for our, uh, for our page there. And I was on board all the way. I mean, you got a, you got a big guy who is um, quick, athletic, and I think they drafted a need there, 100%. Um, you've seen them go in and out with these tight ends. You saw um, Trey Burton that came in. He looked good. Maybe something a little weird between the ears and kind of freaked himself <laughs> out. And, you know, but I, again, that's another signing that I defended because I think that he's got the potential to be a really good player. But I think with the injuries and everything else that was going on with him, I think that's where it really tripped him up. I don't think he's signed yet anywhere. I don't remember. But uh, but I'm, I am I think Cole, uh, Cole Komet is definitely an upgrade. 
Okay, so this is where I got a bone to pick with the Bears again because they make these <laughs> bonehead signings when, and, and maybe it's the GM, just, you know, he likes to jump the gun and he thinks he might be smarter than everybody else in the room. Why did we pick up Jimmy Graham? Veteran leadership, that's the best I can say. Again, it's one of those things where we'll see what happens. If you knew that you were going to go after the tight end in the draft, then you're going to want to try to, I mean, you're going to try to get him, obviously. But at the same time, I, I kind of saw Graham after the fact as a backup plan. But at the same time, I mean, you're paying him a good amount of money to be a backup plan. The hope is that some of that early days of Jimmy Graham will rub off on Cole Komet now that we have both in the fold. Now, is that going to happen? Who knows? I, I mean, I doubt it. I mean, there was nothing. You barely saw him in Green Bay. Hopefully he can kind of help learn the ropes a little bit and as far as the NFL goes and things like that. You know, it's, again, it was probably a panic move because you're, you knew, I think, I want to say they signed him before they got rid of Burton. They, they secured him before the Burton was released. You know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe it's terrible. You know, we got to wait and see. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. Jimmy Graham coming from the Saints. Hell yeah. But you got to remember, too, where did Ryan Pace come from? Yeah. So he had a relationship with him. He's like, hey, let's give you a chance and see what happens. So why wouldn't you go after Olsen? He doesn't have a connection with Olsen at all. Olsen was, go- Olsen was gone from the Bears a long time ago. You know I what know. I mean? Olsen also had some injuries uh, yes. later, and he's I think he's older than Graham, too. Cause, yes. Uh, you know, so that's a thing. You know, I would have liked to see Olsen come back to the Bears. But you can also kind of see that as a distraction for Bears fans. You know, Bears fans can be like, well, you just brought him over because you used to be a Bear and you're trying to get into, you know, blah, blah, blah. The man has hands. Yeah, he does. He does, but he's also old. If anything, just use him for red zone. Yeah, but it doesn't work that way. You, you're still going to need him. This is essentially uh, designed to be a two tight end system. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, if you're only having around for, for red zone, I mean, you're not, you're, you're kind of uh, missing out on most of the field. Yeah, so as far as tight ends, we got Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, J.P. Holtz. Yeah. Horstead. Horstead. I remember Horstead and Holtz that played towards the end of the season when Barton was really out. And Shaheen. Adam Shaheen. Oh, <laughs> that's one right there. That one hurts because when coming out of college, he was uh, dubbed Baby Gronk, and we thought, hey, let's see what happens here. And he, he was another one that really just didn't pan out. People are very quick to throw out the bust label. Mm-hmm. And they used it for Kevin White, and they used it for Shaheen. And I will put it on Shaheen way more than Kevin White because you cannot control injuries. That's the one thing that that frustrates me when you put that bus label on someone that's gotten hurt. You can't control that. I mean, no. you just, you know, you saw Rex Grossman get hurt a ton of times when, when he was, you know, uh, the QB. So Shaheen, bust for sure. All right. Anything else on the Bears as far as maybe their offensive line? So I want to say, didn't they get uh, Fetty? I think his name from uh, Seattle. He he looks to be a, a good player. There is a, a couple of uh, tight, uh, not tight ends, running backs that are available right now: Lamar Miller and Devontae Freeman that are out there. Um, I wouldn't be mad if they took a shot on either one of those guys just to kind of uh, shore that up a bit. But you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm I'm really really relying on Matt Nagy to kind of get his crap together. I think he's his worst enemy. I think so too. I you can blame it on being you know a second year head coach last year. You can blame it on whatever you want. I think he kind of has to get it out of his own way. I think he overthinks things a bit. Um, and I and I really hope that he's been taking this time to reset himself and get back to where he was in eighteen. I think they definitely have potential to be a very good team, but I think he needs to get it out of his own way and not basically screw it up for the defense. I understand that when you're down, you're not going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. But this man does not run the ball. <laughs> and I understand. We have Tariq Cohen. He's like 5'8". That should not be your primary running back. No. Okay? He's going to be your double reverse. You know, he'll line up and be a, an extra receiver out there. Uh, your trick plays and all that. But he should not be your number one running back. You've got David Montgomery, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. That if, he, if, if the offensive line yes. was consistent enough to block, David Montgomery would get some yards. And he was on a roll for a couple games. He was. And if you looked at his style, he was very reminiscent of um, Le'Veon Bell, where he was looking for that hole instead of just diving in. He's looking for that hole, looking for that hole. And when you did, when he found the hole and he got in there, I mean, he would make some decent cuts and he had some decent catches. You know, he was the kind of guy that they were trying to build around. They saw what he did in college. And they were hoping that they could, you know, use him in the passing game as well as the running game. Okay. 
Huh. The problem is, is that line really wasn't doing much for anybody at all. You know, you still had when you have really dynamic players, Allen Robinson still did his thing. But, you know, you had Chase Daniel start a couple games. You had Trubisky not playing that well. And that line was just not helping them whatsoever. I think if they can figure out the line and stick with it, mm-hmm. you're going to have Montgomery have a much more productive season. Right. I, I'm going to I'm going to say a name to you that I think would be fantastic in the system. And it's Jay Cutler. Sexy Jay. Jay Cutler and the other name is Matt Forte. Jay Cutler and Matt Forte in this system would be fantastic because you had a really good, smooth running uh, running back who could catch the ball. I mean, there was a couple of seasons where he was over 50% of the offense. And you had Cutler who would actually not be afraid to throw that ball. Oh, he's a gunslinger. You know what I mean? And that was the, the thing. Now, people hate Jay because he wasn't a rah-rah guy on the sidelines. And he wasn't, you know, Jay, Jay Cutler doesn't. I think his thing was that he really didn't embrace being a Barry. I think he just was in the NFL and he was just kind of, he was there to be there. There's a lot of things that you could look into as far as his demeanor. But I think... As far as looking at what he would be able to do in this current system, we're just talking about like time travel. If we can do something about that, <laughs> I think we would be in really good shape. I mean, we have pretty good receivers, mm-hmm. and then you have that running back mm-hmm. who's gonna make some plays for you. He's your 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 security valve. You know, if the play blows up, hey, dump it, mm-hmm. and he can run. He can make something out of it. I think it'd be a great fit because he can read defenses. He's got a gun. Yeah. He's going to throw it down the field. And that was one of the things that frustrated me about when people would talk bad or down about Jay is that he was a gunslinger. He did this and that. Okay. we wanted. Well, Brett Favre was the same exact way. But the difference is when Brett Favre would throw a touchdown, he's racing down the field to go hug his receiver. And Jay Cutler would never do that. Right. That's the Jay Cutler would throw that touchdown, look down at his shoes and walk off the field. And that's just his personality. And wanting that rah-rah guy because, you know, it, it, there is something special about being part of the charter franchise of the NFL and being a fan of that team and being from Chicago and so on and so forth. Like we take such pride in the Bears more than any other team that, you know, that's what we want to see as Bears fans. It's looked at, I mean, the quarterback position is the leader of the team. Yeah, I mean, most most important position well, in sports. Look at Mahomes. Look, look at mm-hmm. all the rest of the quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are out there. Those go score that touchdown, and they go up to the— And, they, and they're all about it. And they're all about it. They're, they're the biggest cheerleader on the team. Right. And Cutler was not that, and that's a thing that, that frustrated— that was, that was one of his knocks. I mean, yeah. besides that, he's not uh, that personable no. to, you know, just to talk to on a daily basis as no. far as with the media, as far as the way he handled— things with his teammates you remember he was grabbing his team his offensive line's helmet yeah so like well he, he the, the thing is that you only saw jay color when he was upset correct you didn't see him and let's be fair here in jay cutler's time he was here what nine years mm-hmm. and how many coordinators did he have 17 oh yeah you know so i mean there was never any consistency for cutler whatsoever um, you, you know, you had Mike Martz, you had Mike Tice, you had all these guys and you're just like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a Ferris wheel or a revolving door of coordinators. And he played for three different head coaches in the nine years that he was here. You know you're what that not, sounds like? Trubitsky. Yeah. Well. Look how many offensive coordinators he's had. You're talking about, I think two or three. Well, you had John Fox, which was kind of a throwaway year. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily count that year. Yes, he played, but I don't really count that year. And you know, that that's the thing with Trubisky. You don't know. I think he was matched up well with Matt Nagy. I also, you also have to consider the fact that Maggie did not pick Trubisky. No, no, because he was still with the Chiefs. He uh, was with the Chiefs, Chiefs still. You know what I mean? they were going to that playoff run. But they couldn't hire him. Pace says, hey, man, I want you to be my, I want you to be my coach. This is what you got. And he's tr- He's trying to make the best out of a bad situation at this point. When we start the season, who do you think is going to start, Trubisky or Foles? I think Trubisky is going to get the nod. I, I think, really do. Yeah. I just think he has uh, the all-around consistency as far as being you know, the leader on the team. He knows the personnel. I think that the club wants to give him a shot. Mm-hmm. And if he... Well, I think Pace wants to give him a shot. Right. Because, you know, it, this is Pace's legacy. Mm-hmm. That was his pick, the one he gave up. You know, extra picks just to just to get him, and if he doesn't pan out, how is that going to reflect on him? And th- and that's why I I will still defend that pick only because I give I still gave Pace props for this is the guy I want. I'm going to go get him. I don't care. You know, you're a first time GM, and GMs don't typically get a second chance. Mm-hmm. He's a younger guy. He's like, you know what, chips in. Let's go. 
that that's the guy that that my scouts myself that's the guy we believe can be the leader of the franchise let's go that's the same reason he picked Matt Nagy that's the same reason that you know he picked Shaheen and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't but you know like I said sometimes you got to shoot your shot all right so if Trubisky's not going to be playing and Foles steps in he hasn't been a consistent starter and when he has been a consistent starter, he does not play well. Well, that is true. He he's his role has always been, or his his performances have always been much better when he came in uh, from sitting on the bench. You know, when I think didn't he go to the Rams after he was in Philly the first time he was? I think it was signed to the Rams, and he didn't do that well when they were still in St. Louis. Um, then he ended up back in Philly, and then he won a Super Bowl, and now he ended up in Jacksonville. Well, he pl- I think he played uh, for the Chiefs as well. Was it the Chiefs? I believe it was the Chiefs. He's been around. I'm interested in seeing what he has. Um, I think that the reason that they went after him versus someone like Cam Newton is because they're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coaching staff knows who he is, um, and they know what he's capable of. So it'll, it'll be really interesting to see if he actually gets a chance to be on the field. But I agree with you, and I think that Trubisky is going to be the one that starts the season. I think he gets at least four games to see what he can do. And if it just doesn't pan out, they're like, look, we invested a lot in this season. Uh, we invested a lot in this defense. And if we're going to go for it, we can't be you know, sitting around waiting all day to see what you're going to do. If You know, you either do your thing or you're not. And if you're not good enough, hey, we got another guy that's ready to go. The Bears don't have time. They don't. They're in that championship window, mm-hmm. and they need to make some moves to get to get to the playoffs. Because I mean, eight and eight is just not going to cut it. Not in this city. No. I mean, this entire city is behind the Bears. I don't care, you know, girl Cubs, Sox, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're all Bears fans, and this city is a Bears city. And over anything. And I was happy that they they were able to get to five hundred by the end of the season. But oh yeah, didn't it feel like they only won four or five games? No, it felt like the longest season ever. Yeah. You know. So just looking at, at Nick Foles, uh, so last year he was with the Jaguars, 65.8% completion rate, 736 for his yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and a rating of 84.6. Not great. No, not great at all. He was injured very was. early. Was it the first or second game he got injured? Yeah. Okay, let's go to the year before that when he was at the Eagles. 72% completion, mm. 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, 96 rating. I mean, it's not great. But that's better. <laughs> that's at least better. <laughs> but he's regressing. Well, I mean, he's regressing on a different team with that's not as talented as well. Okay. You know, Jaguars are not a ta- as talented as the Eagles were at the not time. Not an offense, though. You know, so, I mean, he coming into a situation, what we have here, like I said, I, I think that Trubisky is definitely going to be the starter to at least start the season off. The world is on his shoulders because I think overall Trubisky could be a career backup um, if it doesn't pan out here. I think he definitely is going to get another shot somewhere else. Re- I don't think he can read defense. Well, Mahomes also admitted that he, did, he couldn't read defense until last year also. Well, the talent level that Mahomes has <laughs> versus Trubisky is right. There, there, there's a lot of teams that pass up on Mahomes, so I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. We'd love to have him, but you oh, know, it's just kind of worth it. was the same way. He said, you know, he didn't know how to read defense right. either. You know, I mean, you look at even Drew Brees. Drew Brees took a couple of years to to figure it all out. I mean, people, you know, when he was drafted in San Diego and he had the shoulder and all this stuff, you know, people kind of uh, uh, blew off Drew Brees too. I mean, the, the Miami almost. Uh, picked up Breeze um, from the Chargers, but that shoulder injury was really what scared him off. You really didn't know what you were going to get with Drew Breeze in the beginning. I'm not saying Trubisky is going to be Drew Breeze by any means, but sometimes these guys, especially concerning the fact that now they're just kind of thrown into the fire. They don't really have a chance to develop. They don't really have a chance to kind of observe what's going on before they get thrown in there. And especially with the fact that he did not have that, that much experience in college, he, he needs a little bit extra time. Now, this season is it for me. If he doesn't do it, then I, uh, we got to go. We got we got to do well, something. Yeah, else. they already. He knows this is his last shot. Nick Foles, by all means, is not the answer. Though. No, but he could he could be a stopgap. He could be the guy that manages the game while the defense does their thing. As long as you can avoid the the, the dumb mistakes, mm-hmm. there's definitely potential for him to take them where they need to go because that defense is just awesome. So when you're looking at these quarterbacks that that were available. Do you think they would have been a better fit? I don't. I, well, I don't. I don't think either one of those is a long-term answer for the Bears right now. No. So you're looking at a guy who, again, you don't want to make mistakes. I think, 
I think um, the thing with Newton is that he was never that accurate, but he's getting older to the point where his best asset, which was his legs, is starting to get weak. And he's he's starting to, all those hits from being such a big guy. Um, all those hits are starting to stack up on him. And that's where, you know, his his play has definitely declined. Okay. Young Cam Newton, bring it on. Now, I wouldn't have liked it. Bridgewater, I'm still concerned about the legs. Um, I mean, he played well in, in in the Saints system last year when he had to step in for Breeze. But you look at the uh, guys like that who are looking, you're looking for a long-term solution. I think signing Bridgewater would have kind of thrown Trubisky down the wrong path mentally because you're kind of saying, hey, this guy is going to start. Like, mm-hmm. you bring in Bridgewater, he's going to start. So... I don't think that they should have brought in Bridgewater because you better sign him to a long-term deal and you better know for sure that you're done with Trubisky, which they are not yet. They do not and, know and that's that. Why Bridgewater didn't want to sign here just because they were like, oh, no, it's a competition. Correct. And then Bridgewater's like, no, I'm way better than this kid. As of, as of right now. But again, you're talking about that, that crazy knee injury and now that kind of pushes his age up a little bit. All right. So we mentioned Jake Cutler. Mm-hmm. And there's a quarterback out there that's very similar to Jay Cutler's being a gunslinger. Mm-mm. Why not James Winston? Oof. 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Yeah, they were down all the time. Of course he's going to be throwing interceptions. He's trying to get back in the game. But they were behind all the time. So, like, of course you're going to be throwing the ball. You're going to be gunslinging. Again, he's, he's a weird guy to figure out. I mean, I would have almost welcomed Mariota over Winston. When you're looking at how good this defense is, you do not want to bring in a guy that can lose you a game. You want a guy that's going to protect the football, get it where it needs to go, and score some points. You want to always leave the field with points and not give that ball away. And I think that with the way the defense is right now and the talent level that they have, Winston giving away the ball that much, is, which is what he does. Yes, he's, he threw some touchdowns, but he does give that ball away and on silly situations to start the game too, even when they're not down. So when you're screwing up the game and making that defense work even harder, it's not a good thing. You mean like Trubisky? Well, that's that's what we're trying to avoid. Who's a more accurate passer? I mean, obviously you have a more of a sample size with Winston and not as much with Trubisky, but if you're looking, I mean, personally, I prefer Winston. I, I love the gunslinger. I, I love that he's still mobile. I don't... 6'4", 231. I don't, I don't necessarily like what's going on between the ears. That's a big thing. Yeah. At the very least, with Foles, you know that he's as vanilla as can get. Trubisky, it's already controversy. Once they kind of get over the Trubisky hurdle, if he either figures it out or he is done, you got a guy that can manage the game for you and see what that defense can do when they're playing against elite offenses. All right, we're going to take a pause for the cause right now, and uh, you get to hear from our sponsors. Welcome back. We had some difficult, difficult situation go on this uh, week with the NASCAR. A potential black eye for the sport was quickly turned around by the uh, support of the uh, other racers. Uh, Eddie, can you give me your perspective on that? So what happened was that... uh, Bubba Wallace came out uh, after everything that happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. He had a Black Lives Matter paint job put on his number 43 car, which is owned by Richard Petty. Very famous driver. Everyone knows him, even if you're not a NASCAR fan. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely some backlash. Um, another thing that NASCAR did was ban the Confederate flag from being flown inside uh, during the races. Right. Um, there was a noose that was found by one of his pit crew in the in his garage yeah the number four garage that that was assigned to him at Talladega uh it was found out that essentially that had been there since uh November of 2019 Bubba Wallace was not the person who reported it he did not see it but the fact of the matter that it was in the garage it was found out that it was being used as a garage pull uh which is used to open and close the door but either way it was still fashioned to look like a noose Now, whether or not he was the one that saw it or not doesn't make a difference. The fact is that it was found and it was fashioned that way and it it, it never should have been. Um, Mm -hmm. He he actually got a lot of backlash. We heard a lot of the uh, Jesse uh, Jesse Smollett comparisons. Um, They thought he was crying wolf. They thought he was crying wolf. But again, he wasn't the one that found it in the first place. Right, it was his team. now, the thing that I wanted to say was that it is really important to see the support that he got from every other driver in NASCAR. You know, 
as we kind of navigate through the times that we're going through right now, it's really important to support each other, no matter who you are, where you come from. Okay. We, we're just, we're all on this planet together, you know? Uh, and, and the thing is, is that we must do better. No matter who you are, please understand that we're all on this earth together and no man is better than the next. No one has the right to make another feel as if they're inferior simply because they don't share the same views, religion, or skin color. So just please be good to each other. All right, Eddie. Thank you. Well said. All right, everybody. This wraps it up for this episode. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Anchor and CitySportsMask.com. Go visit CitySportsMask.com and enter code TCSF and you'll receive 10% off your order. Any final thoughts, E? We just want to thank everyone for the support. We've heard from so many people who appreciate uh, what we're doing, and we want to let you know that that is what drives us to keep doing it. Uh, Until next time, y'all take care and be good to each other for the love of sports.